0: Mic check, one, two, one, two. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 83 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Big shouts to everyone listening to Combo's Court across the globe. Go rate, review, and punch down that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Zach Harper joins in. Zach writes for The Athletic, and you can listen to him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Talk Hoops. That's T-A-L-K-H-O-O-P-S. You know you can follow me on Instagram at One Two Combo. That's O-N-E, T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Had a great conversation with Zach. We discussed the trade market for CP3, the Tim Duncan hiring, R.J. Barrett and the New York Knicks, plus much Much more intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it, Luca
1: on the track.
0: Harper, welcome to
1: Cowboys Court, man. How you feeling? How you feeling? <laughs> oh man, I'm. I, this summer has been weird. It has been weird, and uh, I'm. I'm ready for. Uh, oddly enough, I'm ready for a vacation that includes watching FIBA basketball because it doesn't seem like much of a vacation to just go back to watching basketball. But I. I missed it a little bit. We didn't get much out of Summer League
0: yeah uh you were out there i were out I was out there. I don't know if we were in the building at the same time. I was there from the ninth to the twelfth I
1: Remember? was there I was there from the fourth to the tenth and then I was barely there. I wasn't there at all on the ninth so i so I would have missed you then and then I was there for like maybe two hours on the tenth i was I was getting out of town okay
0: so th- were you there for the earthquake
1: i so i you know what's funny about that is uh so I was there for the earthquake um it came shortly after uh zion got got shut down for the game and then ultimately summer league so once i found out that he was shut down for the rest of the game i was like all right i'm good i'm gonna go to dinner and so i (laughs) and so me me and some friends left the building and then as we were outside all these people came rushing out i was like oh i guess everyone else felt this like decided to leave too if no if there's no zion like i guess everyone's just kind of done for the day because i hadn't felt the earthquake and maybe it's because when I, where I was when I was leaving the arena or what. I don't I don't know what it was, but I just saw all these people coming out and and so and so me and a friend got in an Uber and the Uber driver was like, yo, that earthquake was crazy. I was like, what earthquake? And he's like, There was an earthquake that just hit like a couple minutes ago. I was like, Oh, well, that would explain the people. Wow, so you couldn't even feel it. That's crazy. no, I didn't even feel it. And and like I there was one the previous day here in LA and I felt that one like crazy. I was on I was hosting a radio show, but I was in my apartment um, for Sirius XM NBA radio. And so I was, I was hosting a show that day, and we were in segment while it hit. And it, I don't know, it felt like it went for a good 30, 40 seconds. Um, and you can just hear us on air like, oh, there's an earthquake. Uh, I guess we'll keep talking. Like, we just kind of powered through it. And so that one I felt, but not the, one, not the one where I was at the arena for it.
0: That's crazy. So what was
1: your biggest takeaway from Summer League? Man, you know what? It, it, this was the first year in which I was the least invested in the stuff on the court. And I think that's my biggest takeaway is it is like we got to a point now where we're afraid to put like these these draft picks out there, right? Like the, a few right. guys played and a few guys played a little bit, but for the most part, everyone was so cautious with it. And and this is I think the year it's gotten the most buzz and it's gotten the most attention or at least ratings were way up from last year. And so that's a problem. Like if, if teams aren't going to put their draft picks out there, and I get it like Zion banged his knee and then after that, you know they didn't want to risk anything, and they're even not throwing them into Team USA stuff. Uh, but and John Moran was was dealing was already you know healing from an injury and stuff. Like you had guys who had valid excuses, Darius Garland, everything. But right. the fact that we didn't get to see any of these guys really, aside from a few minutes from Zion, like it kind of sucked. Uh, yeah. and I and I think they got, I think they got to find a way to incentivize it in the in the future because it is like it's a it's a real deal. It's a big event now.
0: This might – I mean, this might be a hot take, and I haven't really heard anybody say this, but I feel that they're not convinced that Zion's, uh, you know, a generational player, and they're trying to sell tickets. And I don't know – you know, a lot of guys, once they get to Summer League, once they get to the NBA, they lose a little bit of hype. And I don't know if they really wanted him out there for the whole Summer League.
1: I mean, I I think he was always going to play, like, maybe two games. Right. right? Like, I don't think he – I don't think they were going to throw a bunch. Because I also – like, he doesn't – and this isn't even just because he's big. Like, he just didn't look like he was in great shape. Right. Um, and he, so was run- think- he was
0: running around with the ESPYs and all that stuff. Yeah, like, dudes had yeah.
1: a busy few months, right? right and so, right. like, as long as he's in shape by the time the season starts, that's all that matters. But, yeah, I think he was only going to play a couple of games. Um, I don't even know about the whole – like, I don't know – I don't understand why we throw him as a generational talent just because he has the buzz and he has the – you know, the – the number one pick status and all that like to me that's crazy like I've never watched him and thought this is a generational talent I think he's a generational like hype machine and a generational like uh energizer like I I've I've had some people like oh if he's not a number one guy on a team he's a bust or he's not worth all the hype and I just don't see it like to me to me he's always been like he's gonna be a super role player like a right. super-duper, like a Draymond Green type guy, a, a, like Sean Marion if he was 280 pounds, like one of those guys. Like he, he makes he, – like I think he's going to be one of those guys. I think he's going to be a guy that energizes everybody who has an infectious attitude. But if you're expecting to be LeBron James, that's on you. That's not on him. No, 100%. And,
0: and you spoke to Team USA. Um, guys are bailing like left and right, it seems. like You think it will ever be the same?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be the same. I, think, I still don't think we care about the FIBA World Cup, right? Like it, That's never been a thing. The World Championships, now the World Cup, it's never been the focus for us where it's been the focus for a lot of other countries, probably because we didn't take it as seriously as a country, so it was their chance to win. Uh, but I think once we get to the Olympics, like everybody will be in. I also wonder how much of this is thrown off by the fact that like this, this is kind of running up against the start of training camp. Right, and I think that's. I think if this was in August, I think you'd have more guys doing it. I think you'd have more guys committed to it. I think because it's the first two weeks of September, everyone's like, "Yo, I got to get ready for the season." Are you excited for three v three in the Olympics? I am to an extent. Like, I'm ready to like dive into it. I look, oddly enough, I look at it as I look at archery. What? (laughs) In that, I'm gonna be super excited to watch it for like. As soon as it gets on TV and people are tweeting about it, I'm like yo I'm going to watch archery or I'm going to watch 3v3 right? right and and then there will be a certain point where if it's not awesome I'm just not going to care after a while I'll hope we I'll hope the US wins and everything but um but yeah like I I don't know it's a weird thing like I I watch I watch big three occasionally but it's not appointment viewing for me and to me it's kind of the it's kind of a similar thing like are we it's, gonna? It, it,
0: the, the rules are a lot different though with FIBA three on three the
1: rules, no the rule the rules are a lot different but it's still like it's still half court three on three basketball like that's true I don't I don't even like playing half court throughout the like I want to get out and run <laughs> right like I would like if you, if I'm at a park and there are, like six people there and I'm like man we're gonna play half court like I just don't like playing half court basketball anymore unless I'm right. super laser super hungover I want to get out and run and, <laughs> and, in, and in the NBA or in in you know college or um, FIBA or you know Olympics or NBA or whatever like man I like seeing. I like seeing full court basketball. Like it's just, it's weird. Like I you like the I You would... like the transition aspect of that. Yeah. I love the transition. I love the spacing yeah. of it. Like I know it's, yeah. you know, half court three, three on three, but like, yeah, like I'll watch it, but I am not convinced that I'm going to watch everything like I'm locked in. Right. So the basketball is the size of a woman's basketball,
0: the weight of a man's basketball, 12 second shot clock, the the, the ball. Really, there's no really dead ball uh, after a basket. You know, right. You like right out. I think- it's I a crazy sport, Zach. It's, it's tiring. I just I'm,
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's awesome, right? Like, I'm sure it's <laughs> exhilarating to play. But, like, I think I'd rather a, a three-dribble one-on-one tournament for the Olympics than I would 3v3. That would be crazy. That, yeah. would, that would be nuts.
0: So let's shift to some news that uh, recently went down, man. The Spurs in a tweet, you know, they grouped uh, Tim Duncan and uh, Will Hardy together in a tweet and, and kind of announced it low key, but Tim Duncan is an assistant coach for the Spurs.
1: Um, how bored is he? <laughs> that, like, I, I was talking, I talked to someone who used to work for the Spurs and, uh, and he, and that was his first call. He was like, he was like, how bored do you think Tim Duncan is to do this? I was like, man, I guess so. Like he ran out of cars to work on or something. There are no more comic books being made. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I never, I never really thought he would do it. I never thought he was going to become a coach. I just didn't think that was him. And, um, Man, like, I, I'm, I'm for it. Like, he's a genius. He's a basketball genius. Like, his experience and everything, it's, it's harder for these – for great players to be good coaches. Right. Um, but I do think he has the right mentality of it never seemed like he just – he just relied on that natural, like, I'm better than everybody, right? Especially later on in his career when he was able to stay so effective. Like, I think that can kind of fuel him into being a great coach. Right He, he
0: kind of hit some like
1: weird second prime at the end of it. it was It was crazy, yeah, it, yeah, it was like this weird second prime, like yes. I still remember the I remember the 2014 finals, and i was or maybe it was leading up maybe it might have been the conference finals leading up to it, but I just remember watching him and man i can't even i can't even remember how old he was that like he was he must have been what 38 39 at that point right right and i remember watching him and like seeing like there was some close up of him and and the look in his eyes was like oh my god like this dude's this dude's still crazy like he's not just out there playing to like oh maybe i'll get in the championship oh maybe i'll cl- just collect some checks like he was he saw this like ridiculous competitive fire in his eyes and that's when i kind of realized like this has been a legit quest for him. It hasn't just been, I'm here collecting checks.
0: All right. Do you feel that that they're positioning him to become
1: the head coach eventually? I think so. I mean, I think it's been assumed for a long time that it's going to be Becky Hammond, right? Uh, because the Spurs want to want to be progressive. They, you know, they're grooming her. They're trying to make her the successor to Pop and everything. Um, I don't know that that's a guarantee. I don't know that she's a guarantee to get a, a head coaching job for one. I don't know she's a guarantee to get a head coaching job for them. Um, I like to think she will at some point if she's, you know, if, if someone deems her qualified. And I think it's I think it's an important step forward. Like I think there needs to be a point where we stop saying, hey, someone hired a woman coach, right? And it's just like, hey, they hired another coach. Like I think that's the point we need to get to. and And someone like her or someone else getting those – the, getting that first head coaching job and being relatively successful at it will be a huge step forward but once he once Tim Duncan stepped into the mix today my first thought was oh, I wonder if he'll get it which is crazy because he hasn't done anything yet as an assistant coach right He like he's yeah. helped out for a little bit but that's just immediately where I went and I don't know if that's the right thought process to have or or if that's just me sinking into how I think this league will be, but yeah, that's kind of, that was my first thought.
0: Let's shift to Kawhi Leonard, man. Do you ever feel that he'll play 82 games again?
1: I don't see the point. Yeah. I mean, I just don't like, I look what happened. Like, and I like, look, this was kind of a perfect storm, right? I don't know that you can expect this year in and year out, but man, if he plays over 70 in the season moving forward, I would be legitimately shocked. Right. They're thinking
0: of shortening the NBA season anyway, right?
1: I mean, they're thinking about it. They're actually doing it. Like, How do you make up the revenue? If you you can find a way to make up the revenue, then they'll do it. But, man, those owners aren't giving up checks. Those players aren't giving up checks. Like, the coaches aren't giving up checks. Like, until they find a way to legitimately keep that revenue stream at where it is or above by shortening the season, we're never going to see that.
0: Yeah, and also the top players could uh, take off games, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? And still make their money.
1: Right, yeah, no. Like, maybe they'll cut down to – Maybe they'll cut down to like 50 games a year for, you know, where like they'll cut, they'll cut the season down to 70, 72, and players will be like, yeah, I'll play 55 of them.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. Also, you know, with these contracts, like, do you feel like when somebody signs for five years, uh, does it even matter anymore? Like, no. no. You
1: know? I think they, they can sign for 100 years. I'm still going to think they're going to try to <laughs> get traded in two years if they're not happy, right? Like like we saw with Paul George. I mean, the, the greatest of all time with that was Steven Jackson. Who negotiated right. a three year ma- or three year extension with Charlotte, and then said, "Thanks for that." By the way, trade me. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, I mean, with the PG thirteen thing, like you know, he signed OKC. Thought they had him, and I mean, they got to be upset over there. They got a great, they got some great value in um picks and assets, though.
1: Yeah, no, they got a great haul. I mean, I just man, I had this conversation on the radio the other day where where someone was like, "Players should be ha- should be held to their contracts," and my whole thought was like, "Why?" if yeah. if if teams are if teams can trade them and granted that's part of the game that's part of the ecosystem right but if teams can trade players whenever the hell they want why can't a player a year into a four-year deal say ah i changed my my mind i'd like to be moved you know, i like, agree I, with you
0: but i think it depends on what the contract says because because if you don't have a no trade clause it, you know what i mean it's but that's the that's... thing
1: that's the thing the the thunder didn't have to trade paul george they chose to well, once a player
0: makes it, he a player could just make it public, and then you almost have to trade him anyway, right? Why? I don't what? know. Like, it's, it's, like, you saw the Davis thing; he was like playing half
1: the game. It was yeah, but crazy. he was gonna be—he was gonna be—he was going to be a free agent in a year. Like that's the thing. Like Paul George is signed for three more years. Like I—I I don't feel bad for the Thunder in that sense because they chose to—they chose to say yes to the trade request. Like teams can say no to trade requests. It might be awkward, it could get out and, and cause a whole you know storm of media and stuff like those are all risks you have those are all risks you have if you try to trade a player without their knowing it the the trades get out and get leaked, and the deal never comes through right like that 's just part of the game to me and i don't i don't understand like why we only hold the players to this standard like some people and i and i've heard some people call in and and it's not a good argument. Some people are like, look, I can't get out of a bank loan without penalty. I can't get out of this without penalty. Like, none of those are employment contracts. Like if you, yeah. if you were set up in a system where you can say, I know I signed here, but I'd like to be traded and they can then decide to trade you like to adhere to that. Like I, and they could have traded him not to the Clippers, right? Like they could have traded him to the jazz. They could have traded him to the Grizzlies. Like they could have traded him anywhere they wanted to at that point. Like they chose to, Give in to him. They got a great haul out of it with Shea Gills, Alexander, and, and all those picks. And so, like, I just to me, that's just part of signing players. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, let's stay on OKC. Is there a trade market for CP3? I, I
0: know you're in the mix. I know you know you're on Twitter heavy. Uh, you got serious XM radio. Have you been hearing anything about a trade market for CP3?
1: There's a market for the player. There's not a market for the contract right now. Uh, that's that's right. the tricky part. There are a lot of teams that want Chris Paul. like, and, it, and it's not even, I don't even think it's the money necessarily of like, man, we got to pay this dude $38 million this year. Like, I don't think that's it. It's that it's three years, right? It's three years, $124 million. And if it was just a one-year contract, or I would say even just a two-year contract, I think teams would be locked in. Like teams would be making moves for Chris Paul because he will be good for the next two years. But Miami, like Miami, could really use him. Miami wants him to su- to a certain degree, but it ruins any future plans they have if they move all these deals to then lock up all that money with him and Jimmy Butler. They Who do just- they want to trade
0: Jokic? That's like a weird mix. Him and Jogic, right?
1: Yeah, no, he would have to be part of it just to make the contracts work, right? Yeah. Like, like and the he, fit
0: and the fit for Miami.
1: Yeah, and the fit for Miami too. Like, yeah. like Goran Lake's like 19 next year, and it's, it's expiring. Like, that's valuable okay. to OKC, right? But right. it's just a matter of okay, if you acquire this guy, then your next two summers are cooked. Yeah, no,
0: most definitely, most definitely. Um, have you been? Have you got a chance to see the Ben Simmons jump shot videos?
1: Yeah, I saw it. Uh I you know, I'm not holding my breath for that to happen in a real NBA game. That, really? that still look nasty, man? man. Man, what they look it looks like <laughs> it it looks like his wrist his shooting wrist is collapsing in on itself like a sinkhole before it just springs back into action. Like that's it, like it it looks it doesn't look good. Like, all right, he hit one. Like, I don't doubt that he can hit jumpers. I doubt that he'll take them when the games matter. Like, it's... It so, has it's a, mental, you think it's a mental thing? Oh, yeah, it's been a mental thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a mental thing with the free throws. Like, to me, the free throws are way more damning for him. Like, that dude could live at the line. That dude could get his mail forwarded to the free throw line. Like, he could absolutely be there all the time. He could be there 12, 15 times a game because he's physically just so imposing to most players in the NBA but we don't see him going there that much. We see him disappearing in the fourth quarter, and it's not because he's afraid to ju- shoot jumpers. It's afraid it's because he's afraid to go the free throw line. Like if he if he shot seventy to seventy five percent, I think he would be a dominant player, like completely dominant player, and it wouldn't have anything to do with the jumper. But we don't see that because he doesn't go the free throw line, and then on top of that, he won't shoot jumpers. Like I just don't I don't see it happening yet. Like I still think he needs to restructure some of that shooting form because it doesn't it doesn't look comfortable.
0: Right. Uh, but would you agree that out of the young all-star level players that are in the league that he probably has the highest upside?
1: Uh I mean I would I, say, guess... I mean
0: I would say Doncic I would say Doncic for him. That that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess who else is in that mix? Embiid. So right? I mean I think Embiid has way more potential than he does. Do you? Yeah. So if
0: Ben Simmons gets a jump shot in the in with in the current NBA you think that Embiid is a better player?
1: Do we get to give Joel Embiid a jump shot?
0: Well, he he's an ad,
1: He's a good enough shooter where they bite on his
0: pump fake, right?
1: Well, that's a mistake. Like he's a horrible three-point shooter.
0: <laughs> well, they they always go for that pump fake though. They right? do
1: Oh no, they do, but he's like he's been living off like 80 attempts from his from his uh, rookie year, in which he thought he I think he shot like 36, 37 percent from three, and we were like, oh my god, he's a he's a stretch five too. It's like no, he's not. He shot 30 percent the next two years on more attempts. Like he can't shoot from the from three, but for some reason teams bite on it. Like if he wants to hit four threes in a game, go ahead. As long as he's not at the free throw line or dunking on everybody, that I, like, I'll live with that. But um, but now nah, I think Embiid's got the most potential out of anybody over Doncic. Oh, wait. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because over he's Gia- all- over Giannis. Well, no, but I mean, are we counting an MVP as having like... He's a young, he's a young, a young player. Was he like 25, 24, 25? How old's Embiid now? I don't know, 23, but he's only played three years of basketball. Right. I can uh, see it. I mean, no, like I put Giannis. Well, actually, I would think, I guess it's whether or not you believe Giannis will get a jumper. Like if Embiid is healthy and in shape, I'd take Embiid over anybody um but Giannis is obviously right there well I'll uh, tell
0: you something I was never as high on Giannis as everybody else this season when they were like saying he was the best player in my, my the people who listen to my podcast know that but I will say one thing I've heard his work ethic is crazy
1: oh he's psychotic like yes. Chris, Chris Middleton has said like like he's a crazy person he's been a crazy person ever since I, I came to Milwaukee like he's like he really is like crazy in a good way with that with the work ethic um, so
0: maybe he'll figure it out you know maybe he'll. yeah I
1: mean one of the dumbest things ever was it was point Giannis was like oh uh, he's a point guard I'm like put him <laughs> Jason at center Kitt, Jason Kidd is coaching yeah. oh he's God, gonna are <laughs> you the next Lakers coach like like I like that whole I never understood that people were like oh he's gonna be a point guard he's a six eleven point guard. I was like put him at center no one can guard him at center
0: yeah. You know, he got this thing where he really only scores at in one level. You know, they like players who – we always talk about players that can score in three levels. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, he, and you know who kind of had that thing going in summer league in a weird way? R.J. R. Barrett.
1: Yeah, I, I like R.J. Barrett. Like, I, so. I do too. I
0: do too. But he can only score in one zone as of now. That's what it seems like.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree with that. But, like, I, I look at everything. i like, I think the skill set's there. I think the jumper will come around – um, I think he'll have to learn a lot in terms of just how the NBA game is played. Like I, you know, it's funny whenever whenever we see guys not quite living up to what our expectations of them were as a as a one and done guy, we immediately go, "Well, you know, the NBA game's a lot a lot better suited for this guy, right?" Like that's kind yeah. of our our out for that guy. I do think it's true for a lot of these guys, especially all of those boot guys. Like I do think that's true. But they still have to learn to play the NBA game before any of that comes comes to fruition. And so, like I I trust him with the Knicks development staff because I like their I like the guys they have for development. I like David Fisdale. I think as long as he listens to those guys, he'll be fine. But also the Knicks can really mix this up, right? Like the yeah. Knicks could the Knicks could over find a way to over you know, to be overbearing um, when it comes to that pressure and everything. I hope he doesn't succumb to that. But, like, yeah, I like R.J. Barrett. Like, I, he's got to flesh out a bunch of noise in his game. But, I like, I think he's really good.
0: I mean, I think the spacing of the NBA will benefit him. There will be a lot more spacing than in college or even in summer league, you know. Summer league's jumbled, you know what I mean? Yeah, and he,
1: and he can do a lot more with the ball. Like, I, I was thinking of, of Kevin Knox last year. Like, Kevin Knox was a mess last year. Like, he was not good. He had a couple of good moments, but for the most part, he just was terrible. Um, and I, and I, I kind of remember thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, I think at the NBA level, he'll have more spacing. Now, Kevin Knox gets a chance to develop. Like, he shouldn't be judged just on his rookie year, right? right. I think R.J. Barrett will go through some of that. Maybe he won't be as extreme. But, yeah, like, I do think him with more space, he'll figure out how to attack that space.
0: Yeah, at the summer league, I was locked in on the Knicks game. I, I watched one. I didn't, you know, I tried not to check the phone. I was really locked in on it. Yeah. Because a lot of my listeners uh, listen, uh, watch the Knicks. Kevin Knox, he has a he his game is fit for the NBA. Like he wasn't knocking down shots that day. He was missing him and RJ were missing everything that game I saw. Um, but I don't know. I just want to see if if the Knicks have any shot makers, you know what I mean, like. Guys, well,
1: like I mean, that's. I mean, you know what I mean. The, other than Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock, well, I guess Marcus yeah. Morris can hit shots, but like, that's kind of it, right? Like, you don't expect Dennis Smith Jr. to hit shots. Uh, Mitchell Robinson obviously only block shots and jumps, right? Like at this right. point, which is fun, but he's not. He's not like skilled offensively, other than right. stretching for vertically. Um, yeah, Knox. Like, I will say this. Like, I again, I thought he was miserable as a rookie, but. Uh, But I did like his decision-making in Summer League from what I saw. Right, Decision-making looked a lot more comfortable. Yeah.
0: I think another issue for the Knicks – and I do agree with you. He definitely looked more comfortable this Summer League.
1: Elijah Trier Trier knows how to attack space. I'll say that, like, I forgot him for a second. Like, he can – he knows how to attack.
0: So, to that point, yes, you're 100% right. He does know how to attack. But him and everybody else in the Knicks don't really play well off the ball. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, they – I'm I'm trying to think, like, who's been the – who was the best point guard? Like, just point guard they had last year, right? Like, it was probably Moutier. Yeah. In terms definitely. of just, like, making plays for others. Like, my definitely. God. Like, that's miserable. That's a miserable <laughs> I don't know how guys are I supposed to play off. Oh, I wouldn't say no but I see No, man. I mean, he's like, come on, man. Like, you're <laughs> trying to develop someone. No offense. Like, he had a nice reclamation project. He had a nice season for him. But if we're talking about getting everybody involved and having a system that that moves the ball and sets guys up, like, Moutier can't be your best playmaker. So, I mean, I guess Kevin Knox could play off the ball a little bit. Yeah, not, I mean, he should be able to. Like, I yeah. I like the idea of – and and he'll have to knock down shots, but um, I like the idea of, like, once he starts being a league-average shooter or better, the idea of him attacking closeouts, like, I love that idea. Like, he's going to be, like, a dribble and at the rim. Right.
0: Do you, do you get excited about players that get their shot off easily and it looks like a nice jump shot, like? Or could they? Or do you feel like their whole career could just be like they get their shot off easily, they have a nice looking jump shot, but they're just not efficient? That's like that's what I worry about with Kevin Knox.
1: You know, yeah, that, I worry about that with him. I mean, kind of to that same vein, and we haven't really seen him play yet. But Cam Reddish, like Cam Reddish, he didn't shoot well in college, but I look at that jumper, I'm like, that's a nice jumper. Right. I, I just, I think, I think the sh- it reminds me. And I'm not saying he's going to be this player, but it reminds me a lot of Bradley Beal at Florida. Like Bradley right. Beal didn't shoot well at Florida, uh, but you would look at that jumper. I'm like, man, that that dude looks like he can shoot. And so right. I'm hoping the same for Cam, for Cam. Where I like, I just I like the way it looks coming out of his hands. Now sometimes that doesn't translate, but I feel like most of the time it does.
0: Yeah, and and to that point, I've had Rashad Phillips on my show. I don't know if you're familiar. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, NBA draft, who I, I have a lot of respect for what he has to say. He feels like Cam could very well be the best player to come out of this year's draft. And he said even before he got selected to the to the Hawks, he was like, if Cam goes to the Hawks, you know, he feels like it'll just be a great fit for Cam, you know?
1: Yeah, because they know, I mean, they, they put in a lot of guys that know how to develop talent. So I think as long as he's a good worker, uh, which I know nothing, I don't know one way or the other if he is like, but as long as he's a good worker, I think, I think that'll yield results. Like, I don't know about being the best player in that draft, but he could easily be a guy where 10 years from now, like we're like, how the hell did he go 10th? Like, what were they thinking? Yeah, I could definitely see that too, for sure. So
0: let's shift to the warriors, man. D'Angelo Russell. Do you feel like it's a good fit? I do. I feel he's skilled. He can dribble, shoot it, pass it, uh, shoot it, um, score from all three levels. He actually plays better off the ball than people might assume. Um, I think it's a good fit.
1: I think so too. And I think it, I think it'll be you know when they when they played through Kevin Durant and let him be the playmaker, you know Steph was Steph would move Steph was active but he he didn't move like when the Warriors are really humming right, right. and so and so I think with D'Angelo as the as the primary playmaker they're obviously not better than how they were with KD but I think it'll it will allow Steph to be more lethal off the ball um, than in than in the previous season because when he's active off the ball like no one stays with him right like he gets. Yeah five jumpers a game where you're like, how the hell did the greatest shooter of all time get open like that? And so I think, I think D'Angelo allows him to do that. I think this forces Steve Kerr to run more pick and roll because D'Angelo Russell is such a dominant pick and roll player. Uh, Steph is a dominant pick and roll player. I think that if they go pick and roll heavy while still keeping their core tenets of like – that free flowing offense, which I think they can do, um, yeah, I think offensively it's going to be amazing. Now defensively, it's going to going to suck, but that's what happens when you lose KD, Iguodala, and Clay Thompson, right? Like that's right. just that's just how it's going to be. Um, yeah. They'll find ways to make up for that a little bit, but they're probably going to be a team that just has to outscore people, which was what kind of it's kind of what they were last year. Like they were a, an average ish defense most of the year and didn't really turn on until the playoffs. So like I think. I think if they can survive until Clay gets back and Clay can be seventy to seventy-five percent of he of what he is going into the playoffs, like, I think they'll be fine. Like I, I don't know if they're going to win a title, but, um, but I think D'Angelo is a great kind of uh, placeholder for this season, and then we'll see what they do with him next year.
0: The Houston Rockets, man, you know, uh, no matter what you think will happen with this situation, it's going to be interesting.
1: I have talked <laughs> to as many smart people around the NBA as I can find. People okay. who cover it, people who are in it, scouts, players, coaches, whatever, executives. Okay. I've talked to as many as I can, and not a single person has said a positive thing about this pairing of Russ and James Harden, Uh-oh. which is mind-boggling to me. Because like, I'm like, no, and I've said this to pretty much every single person I've talked to. I'm like, no, but come on, man. Like, they're Like, they can figure things out. They can yield a little bit like they you know they can they can find ways to make this work and and i'm just getting scoffed at when i say that and i'm like these are smart these are people i trust smart people so i don't like i'm trying to talk myself into these guys will find a way to figure it out and i think they will during the regular season it's just everyone seems to think when the playoffs come these guys are going to resort you know they're going to revert to what they are or what they have been and i think my favorite way that i've kind of put this pairing is like these two people have played together before these two players have never played together before because these guys know each other. They're like they're friends and everything. They were on the thunder together, but they're two entirely different players than what they were it back in 2012. Like James Harden is a much different player and Russ is a much different player in how they determine that, you know, kind of the flow of games. And so I don't know how it's going to work. Like maybe they can stagger it enough to where, you know, it's it's just one of those guys at all times and not a ton of the two of them together, if that's an awkward fit. Uh, I think they'll win regular season games, but I'm not convinced they've solved anything for the playoffs.
0: Just from a basketball standpoint, I mean, Russell Westbrook is closer to his prime and a better basketball player at this point than Chris, but Chris was a way better shot maker, you know, just from a basketball
1: right. standpoint. Right, yeah, 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 No, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. Like, I um, – yeah, like I, I wonder if this will allow Russ to be a good defender again. He was yeah. at times last year, but he's mostly a guy that just kind of does the Monte Ellis, oh, you drove by me, I'll try to poke the ball from behind, no, it didn't work, all right, let's go, you know, get so, someone someone get him. So, uh, you you know, hope, he,
0: so you hope on both ends of the floor he's kind of hopefully going to be the guy that will fill in holes for James Harden.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it has to be, like, that's James' team. And, right. and, and I think the funniest part about it is just Daryl Morey I think Daryl Morey was probably coerced by the owner into making this happen uh, more than it was Morey's idea. That's just my guess. Uh, Semi-educated guess, but that's my guess. Um, So I kind of think it's funny that, you know, this executive who kind of crapped all over this MVP campaign for a couple of years that now has to be like, oh yeah, by the way, we brought in this guy. Look at him, triple doubles and everything, you know? Uh, But I, I think that's a funny pairing. But in terms of whose identity, like this is going to be, james team and it's on Russ to fill in which i think it should be on both of them to kind of see it a little bit but like this this is gonna be on Russ to to prove that he's a he's more of a team guy than he has been
0: all right let's fly from houston to uh la stay on the west coast you know if you take the combined talents i feel like Ant davis and lebron james are better basketball players then uh if you you know like let's say if you had an nba live rating right right combine the the scores of lebron and um davis i think it'll be higher than Kawhi and pg-13 but i'm not sure if it's a better fit and especially in the current nba who do you feel the better fit is and who do you feel will be the best team in la
1: i mean i think the clippers are the better team i think i think they're the more steady team right like i think the lakers i mean it's all going to depend on what lebron looks like i think
0: I, i think he'll be close to what he was for the first half of this year that's what i believe or even better
1: Yeah, I mean, he'll have to be better because he'll have to actually play some defense, right? Right, Like, that's going to be the key. I don't need him to play defense October, November, December, January, but they have to be building towards the end of the season, and he's got to be a defensive player second half of the season in the playoffs. And if he's not, then I don't really expect them to go that deep in the playoffs. Like, maybe maybe they can get to the conference finals if everything shakes their way, but if he's not playing defense, like, I – I don't believe Anthony Davis is this team changer when it comes to defense. I think he's a great individual defender. I think he's a average team defender. Like those like he was on some teams with some pretty good defenders the last couple of years, and they weren't all that good defensively. And yeah. maybe that's not fair to put on him, but like I just don't I don't think he's this guy calling out coverages, hedging hard, recovering, making sure the rim's protected, making sure the perimeter's covered. Like he's not that guy. And yeah. so unless Frank, unless Frank Vogel can kind of get him into that space mentally, um, he's still an awesome player. But they got so much to figure out defensively that, uh, you know, I'm a little hesitant with that. Whereas with the Clippers, I know what their identity is going to be. They're a deeper team. They didn't lose a whole lot, which is crazy considering everything they traded. But they didn't lose a whole lot. And by the way, they didn't make that trade for Paul George. They made that trade for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's an easy trade to make. They have a little bit of a of a depth issue inside because uh, I don't think Zubats is any good. Uh, and I, like I don't. And I, I like Zubox. I would like him twenty years ago. Like I don't like. He's so slow. Like I I I think if he had come from Memphis to the Clippers, the man. <laughs> yeah, but he's not as – I mean, is he as skilled I as like, Of course. I mean, nobody – I mean, hardly anybody ever has been as skilled as right.
0: Jokic as a center. But
1: But I think, like – I honestly think, like, if Zubats had come from the Grizzlies and not the Lakers and found his way to the Clippers, nobody would care about him.
0: Right, right. All right. So, I thought that LeBron was going to be a – I honestly thought he was going to be the MVP for next season, but I kind of shifted now. Um, KD's not on the Warriors. Clay won't be there. I don't know, man. It's looking like Steph to me.
1: Who, Yo, who, Michael Thompson yeah. – Michael Thompson was on the radio with me uh, and Amin al Hassan the other day, and he said that Steph's going to hit 500 threes this year. I could see it. It's going to be I, a Steph show, new arena. I, I kind of can too. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of people said, oh, the Warriors should take this, you know, this season easy, do a bunch of load management, all that stuff. It's like, no, you don't get to move into the Chase Center and then take it easy. Like, that's not how business works. They have to be good. They have – like, Steph has to be on fire as long as he's healthy. Like, I mean, he looked like that. He looked like the MVP as much as anybody through the first, like, month, month and a half of last season. That's a small sample, but he was killing before he got hurt. And so I think that um, – yeah, like, I think Steph as an MVP is kind of a great pick.
0: Who do you have as, the cha- as uh, winning the championship next year?
1: I'm just going to go Clippers. Okay. Like, I'm just going to – I'm at a point, and it's only been a year, but it was so impressive to me that I'm just going to ride with Kawhi. And I'm a, I got a little bit of bias because I'm a San Diego State guy as well, okay. but um, but like I I I think they're missing one piece. I don't think it's a major piece, but they need they need something else inside. Uh, but I think if Paul George can get healthy with their bench, with the firepower they have, with the defense, like they can throw out a defensive lineup with Pat Beverly, oh Mo Harkless, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I don't even care who the center is at that point. Like you're not scoring on that team, and so. I do think as long as they're healthy, I think they're legitimate title favorites. And I also think, like, the idea that, that Kawhi could make the Raptors a champion and then the Clippers a champion in two consecutive years, like, that's insane.
0: Definitely insane. Zach, man, it was great talking to you. It's always great having you on the show. Where can we find you, man? Where can we find you?
1: Uh, You can read me on The Athletic and hear the podcast on The Athletic. Uh, Subscribe to that. Uh, You can hear me on SiriusXM NBA Radio and occasionally on Mad Dog Sports. Uh, Talk Hoops for Instagram and for Twitter.
0: You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for being here, Zach.
1: Anytime. Thank you. Talk soon.
0: There it is. Episode 83 is in the books. Big shouts to Zach for joining in. We appreciate you. Let me know how you feel about this episode. Write on the comment section of your Apple podcast app. Have a great weekend. Be on the lookout for episode 84. Combo out.